Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. My name is Mickey. I'm a worship arts coordinator at Baylife Church. And I'm Travis, and I'm the teaching pastor at Baylife Church. And we want to welcome you to the Stone Table. So, Mickey, do you know what has changed between the recording of last week's episode and the recording of this week's episode? Tell us. What's changed? Um, hopefully, everybody knows this already. <laughs> uh, but in case in case you don't, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to the Super Bowl. Yes. Which is a sporting event. It is. That is, is very popular among people who follow sports. So I've heard. Yes. But the important thing is that this year, the Bucks have gone or are going to the Super Bowl. Yes. And what I am told, and I'm not 100% sure because I don't follow sports really, right. but what I am told is that this is a very historic event, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's never happened before where uh, like a team that's gone to the Super Bowl has the game hosted in their city. That's what I've been right? told, yeah. I, I legitimately have not watched a Super Bowl in probably 10 years. So Really? I don't really know what's normal and what's not. For what about like the thing. commercials and... Like halftime shows. You yeah, have to watch yeah. that. Okay, so so I watch the commercials. I watch the halftime shows. But the and, game. And then I just go back to the kitchen and I eat all the snacks. Mm, I just don't yeah. care. I don't care about sporting events, but I care about Tampa. Yeah. So uh, this I year agree. I will watch in addition to the halftime show. <laughs> who's who's playing the halftime show? I think I've heard that it's the weekend. Okay, cool. That'll be fun. So so I'll watch the halftime show. Okay. And I'll watch the commercials. And, and I'll the watch game. the game. Okay. First time in a decade. So I feel like we never talk about sports on this show. The only the only time the only other time we've talked about sports mm-hmm. is whenever the Lightning, the Tampa Bay Lightning, won That's the Stanley true. Cup. Which you know we don't we don't do sports. No, we, we don't, don't keep up with sports. However, we do support Tampa. We do support Tampa. Yes, no matter what. Yeah, Tam- Tampa <laughs> against everyone. Yes. So uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's fitting and you know, if, if the Rowdies win, whatever sporting thing happens in soccer. Yep. Um, and then, you know, if the, the baseball team, the Rays, the Rays, the baseball team, <laughs> if the Tampa baseball team wins, whatever the baseball championship Someday. is, then we were so close. we'll celebrate yeah. that. Yeah. Is what I was told. Yeah. So, so I've heard. Yeah. So, so far we got the, we got the Rays. No, we got the lightning and we got the Bucks. Yes. And I'm sure the Bucks will emerge victorious. Yeah, well, I'm praying and fasting. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what's what's on the agenda for the show today, Mickey? So today we are sitting down with some friends of ours. They are Ben and Bellu Grams. Oh, yeah. The Grams are awesome. I I loved having this conversation. I know you've known them a little bit longer than I have. So tell us a little bit about the Grams. So before I tell you about the Grams, I've got to tell you um, about the Bible Institute in which they are about to go to. So they are actually missionaries who are raising money right now Mm -hmm. uh, to start their trip to Argentina in a a couple months Mm -hmm. um, because they are going to be part of the leadership at a Bible Institute that I've had the pleasure of attending Mm. uh, for an intensive semester back in 2019. So are you ready for the name? I'm I'm totally prepared. It's called Instituto Biblico Rio de la Plata or IBRP. Or IBRP, if you're saying it in English. I think we use the IBRP term most in this interview. So if you're wondering what that stands for, 
Mickey it's has this. just enlightened you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Ben and Bellu Grams are about to be serving on the leadership um, at this institute. Mm-hmm. And it is a wonderful, wonderful place. I And when I went there, I actually took one of Ben's classes on church planting. Yeah. Um, and it was just a really incredible experience. And they shared their experience uh, with church planting mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yep. Um, and so they've been all over the world. Um, they are very well traveled and they have just really been a part of ministry mm-hmm. for a long time now. Uh, and they've done that together as a family. And so I am very excited to share this conversation that we've had with them uh, about their travels, about, you know, uh, just the call to, to ministry um, and how the Lord has worked in their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved hearing just about the context of Argentina and, yes. and what it looks like to raise up the next generation of pastors and do theological education in a context that's different from the one that most of us have grown up in. And so yeah. it's a it's a really great conversation and I can't wait to get into it. Yeah. And, and I'll say, obviously, I'm a little biased. Mm-hmm. I am from Argentina and I just, this subject is very, very special to my heart. And so I am so grateful that they took the time to talk with us and really share the burden that they have for the people in Argentina and their story and how they are connected to Argentina. So it's a very unique and a really inspiring story that they have. Absolutely. Maybe one other thing to mention before we jump in is that if you're interested in supporting the Grams, yes. we've included a link in the show notes where you can donate to help them raise support so they can go back to serve at the Institute in Buenos Aires. Um, So with that being said, let's go ahead and let's get started. Let's do it. For Baylife Church, I'm Travis. And I'm Mickey. And this is The Stone Table. Well, Ben and Belu, we're so glad that you've joined us. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us for this episode of The Stone Table. Thank you so much for having us. It's an honor. Um, so I, I can't wait to just get into your story and, and the way that God has called you to Argentina. But, uh, as, as Mickey and I were just talking about this episode, I was thinking about, uh, having married into an Argentine family. I was introduced to this, uh, Argentine beverage that I'd never heard of before called mate. Um, and I, <laughs> yes, right there. <laughs> you, you can see the mate cup right there. Yes. Um, so I'm like a, a, coffee addict. I probably drink five to seven cups of coffee a day. This is true. Which is, I'm sure, going to catch up with me at some point. Uh, but I'm curious <laughs> for, for you all, if you have to pick between mate or coffee, um, which which is it? Do, do you prefer one over the other or both? <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, so I was also born and raised in Argentina, mm-hmm. but I lived in Spain for four years. Okay. In Spain, you also drink a lot of coffee. Mm. It got to the point that I was drinking before between probably six or eight cups a day. Wow. The same amount of coffee that you're drinking right now. (laughs) But then uh, we moved to Utah. So I moved to Utah where he was living. Mm -hmm. Mm. In Utah, there's no coffee. Really? Mm. Oh, because of Mormonism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they they don't, um, don't drink coffee. So it was like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. no, coffee. there was no Starbucks. I think there was just one coffee shop. Like 30 like minutes away. 30 minutes away. So it was like. That's my wow. worst nightmare. Yeah. Worst nightmare. <laughs> I know. So now I'm right in between. I'm drinking, um, I'm drinking mate. We, in fact, we drink mate probably every single day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, al- I also have my coffee in the morning. Mm. The difference is that mate, it's pretty healthy. There's no caffeine. Right. Um, mm. And we we drink it just um, just water. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people that put sugar on it. Yeah. Um, sweetener, mm-hmm. lemon, orange. There's a whole bunch of different things, but that's the main difference. Mm. Whereas me, um, I grew up not really liking coffee. Okay. Okay. And I married a coffee ad. Like, and then she slowly, <laughs> she slowly got me into it. You know, just a little bit at a time. She'd put like you know three fourths milk and you know one fourth. Uh, okay. Coffee. And slowly yeah. got to the point that where I'm. I think now I do about two thirds coffee and one third milk. Okay. 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 Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you've worked up to black coffee yet. That took me years to drink oh. black coffee. Um, it's not for everyone. That's no. for sure. Well, I know a lot of people. They they'll put coffee in their mate and i just can't wrap my mind around that i've never tried it um but that that's a thing oh you might like that maybe that that could be the best of both worlds for me yeah coffee grounds so coffee grounds caffeine and so you are uh you're just whatever yeah you're you're floating yeah 10 inches off the ground at all times yeah it's pretty strong but it's good okay okay all right that's good to know so my mom drinks mate 24 7 like she has it with her. She takes it with her to work, like just everywhere yep. she goes. That's true. And so at one point when Travis and I got married, um, he, he'd been around it. And then finally my mom was like, do you want to try mate? And he was like, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> I see you drink it all the time, but what is it? So he got to try yeah. it and you like it, right? No, I, I really do like it. I mean, it, it tastes very similar to just like plain tea to mm. me. And I'm sure there are actual yep. differences, but but if you gave me tea or mate, I really wouldn't be able to tell the difference <laughs> except for the container that it's in. Yeah. So you'll learn. You'll yeah. learn one day. For for the audience though, those that don't know what it is, it's like reverse tea where it's all herbs and right. just a little bit of water and mm-hmm. the filters on the bottom of the straw and you refill it and everyone drinks out of the same cup mm-hmm. and the same straw. Yeah. So uh, not very COVID friendly. Yeah, not say, at all. Yeah. Yeah. That, that might not survive the current pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of Argentine stuff, uh, another thing that Travis was introduced to when he and I started dating and uh, he, um, you know, was around my family a lot was he was introduced to Rodesias. I don't know if you guys like that candy bar, but it's yes. so good. So and good. he ended up really so loving good. that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you tried pita? Yes. Titas are so good. Yes, you have. Okay. So they're the little square candy bar with, mm-hmm. um, it's like cookies and then the cream inside yeah. and it's coated in chocolate. Yeah. But I think you liked, I think he liked the wafers of the Rodesias. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for, for Christmas last year, I, I tried to get uh Rodesias for her stocking stuffer, but on, <laughs> I found it, I found it on Amazon, but it was like a hundred bucks for like a single Oh bar. wow. I didn't even know that. It was like, a, and, and all of the reviews were like, it's stale. It doesn't taste right. And I was like, man, I'm not going to spend a hundred dollars for something yeah. that doesn't even oh taste like goodness. it's supposed to. But the question is, was this going to be a self gift where you were? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was for us, it was for right? Bobo, it was for probably. us. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, so we are so excited to get into your story um, and kind of what's next for you and for you to tell us all about your ministry. But we kind of want to start with your backgrounds because you guys both have been all over the world. Um, ben, you were a missionary's kid. And so Ben, why don't you tell us first kind of about your background and your experience growing up in Argentina? I'm glad it's going to be a three-hour episode. <laughs> we could be here all day. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so my um, grandparents were missionaries in Bolivia and throughout Latin America. My dad was born and raised in Bolivia as a missionary kid until uh, he was 16. Then he went to uh, Argentina as a missionary once he uh, was married and had my eldest brother. 
And so they got to Argentina in 1979, and mm. I was born and raised there as a missionary kid till I was 18. And then I went up to Minnesota, cold Minnesota, for mm. uh, Bible college. And when I graduated, I was like, you know, these are all my plans, what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And then God closed, like, the two main doors. He just shut them. And I'm mm. like, okay, God, what is next? Mm. Obviously, my plans aren't good enough <laughs> according to what <laughs> you were planning. So, so I had this, like, kind of, waiting period of a couple of months and so I graduated in May and then in October out of the blue I get a a phone call from a family friend you know from uh, I hadn't talked to him in probably over 10 years and uh, he calls me up and says hey I'm planting a church out here in Utah um do you want to come out here and be a youth pastor I'm like um nope nope (laughs) I pass but (laughs) All I can promise is I'll pray about it. And as soon as I started praying, you know, I, mm. I felt like it was the next step. I went out and visited and it just, everything fit. Mm, and yeah. several people tried to dissuade me and tell me um, it was not a good idea, but uh, I spent 10 years there. And once, wow. once I moved there, um, that's when I connected with Beta within that first week. She had moved to Spain with her family. Okay. And uh, we had a long distance relationship across an ocean. Okay. Wow. Where eight an eight hour difference. Wow. Yeah. So oh, I would man. get out of work and she would be going to bed. So she yeah. would have many nights that she wouldn't sleep at all just so we could have yeah. conversations. Yeah. And uh, we did it for about a year, year and a half. Mm. And um, yeah. And was advantageous to get married because of the visa and everything else. So sure. was, right. Right. You know, yeah. God. More than anything, it was paid, a faith. Yeah, by faith. Yeah, it was crazy. And God had confirmed so many things by that point. You know, you don't want to dive into a relationship with someone that you have never met in person, right? uh, Across an ocean and everything. (laughs) But um, yeah, it would just God confirmed so many things that um, it got to the point that when I went to visit her for the first time to meet Mm -hmm. her, Mm -hmm. her stepsister said, how are you going to know he's the one? How are you (laughs) going to know? And just joking around, you know, Mm -hmm. Beta was like, if he has a red suitcase, I'll know. Okay. <laughs> and then I came with a red suitcase. <laughs> no way. Man. No way. That is crazy. So I'm sure they're freaking out in the airport and you have no idea what's Why? going on. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's they're incredible. They're happy to see me. No, they're happy to see a red suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the Lord oh, confirms man. in mysterious so, so ways. So share your, your backstory. My yes. background totally different. Okay. Um, so I'm first generation Christian in my family. Okay. Really, really, really Catholic family. Mm. Um, my dad was actually um, in the seminary when he met my mom. Mm. Okay. To, to be a priest. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh. yeah discerning priesthood. Oh. There was kind of something there that wasn't going to work out. Yeah, so that, right, right. That kind of ruins that plan, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, well, I wanted to be a nun. When I was a kid, then she came to Christ. (laughs) 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 I'm the main beneficiary. (laughs) So I like, I don't have like any family, no ministers. I mean, okay. No. Um, So our backgrounds are really different. And I, well, my mom passed away when I was 10 years old. Mm. I'm the oldest of four siblings. And, um, did I say I was 10 when she passed away? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, well, after she passed away, it was a really hard time. My dad went right into depression for like a really Mm -hmm. long time. He wasn't working. We didn't have money. We didn't have food. It was a tough, tough season. 
Um, and Billy would basically raise her her siblings. She would get them up for school. She would right. cook for them, do all the mother things. Mm. Um, so anyways, when I'm 14, my dad was working at that time. It was his first time working after uh, my mom's passing. And he met a, he met a lady. And, um, well, they ended up getting married. And she was a Christian. So, so she was the oh, one who invited okay. me to church. Hmm. And I got saved when I was, it was between 14 and 15, almost about to turn 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the right timing because I was not going the right direction. Mm, so, sure. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty much a quick summary of okay. my background. She wanted to get baptized and her dad, because he was so Catholic, he was like over my dead oh, body. You are oh, not wow. getting baptized. And so she submitted for a year and then mm. uh, he saw her, her change, you know, mm. from what she was before, who she was before. And so he let her get baptized after a year. And then three months after that, he got baptized because wow. he saw such a change in her. Man. Wow. So um, crazy, crazy story. at that point, the family started going to church and after praying for, I don't know, sometime they, they felt like their next step was to move to Europe, either Spain or Italy. And, okay. Um, n- not any, anything, you know, yeah, no ministry, no ministry. I mean, okay. Like sure. Yeah. No ministries, n- yeah. not at all. Um, so anyways, we, we moved, there were several miracles that God did during that process. So first my dad went to, went to Spain. The idea was for him to work and get some money mm-hmm. because at that point we were seven, like it was my dad and his wife, mm-hmm. my siblings oh, okay. and stepdaughter. So it was a big family. So he went there, saved some, some money and then we all moved, um, well, there are more details. Then my dad passed away when he was in Spain, right before us going to Spain. Wow. So that was another story. But um, through it all, God was in the midst of everything. Mm. I have. I, I think it's a privilege or it's a blessing for me um, to have the passing of an immediate family member, mm. being a Christian, like with Jesus and without Jesus. Because yeah. when my mom passed away, I, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know. Like I, I knew religion. I didn't know Jesus. Mm. Um, and the difference when my dad passed away, I had a relationship with Jesus and that was like day to night. So, wow, yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious with, with both of your very different backgrounds. Um, how did you end up meeting each other? Uh, cause you were, you were in Spain when you all began dating. So how did yeah. that work? Was that a uh, long distance from uh, the from start the or yeah. We had a common friend when we were about 17 that tried okay. to hook us up. Okay. Uh, someone from her church that was going to the Bible school and okay. I, I, they, she knew me. And so she probably wanted just to hook us up. So she exchanged our email addresses. This is back when it was MSN Messenger. Oh okay. my gosh. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, you know, if someone wasn't like reading your your messages, you could nudge them and their whole screen would shake. Wow. wow. Okay. okay. See, our long distance messaging was WhatsApp. It was WhatsApp. Yeah. Yeah. Much easier. Yeah. We, we had to buy like phone cards and do long distance calling oh. and all that emails. But yeah. Um, gotcha. So yeah, we did. Uh, so this is back when we were 17. We mm-hmm. chatted maybe twice. Neither of us were looking for a relationship at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just the information was stored. I changed email addresses. And then when I was in Utah, that it was like 1 a.m. Uh, that first week, and I was still on my college hours, and no one was awake anywhere. So uh-huh. I go on my old account. She's the only person awake because for her it was nine in the morning. Okay. And, and 
Uh, she had just happened to switch her days off at work to be off that morning. Uh-huh. She was waiting for a guy that she was going to chat with. He never showed up, so I swooped oh, in. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. You know, yeah. Snooze, you lose. And yeah. Here I <laughs> yeah, man. So so I'm I'm so interested just in, in hearing your story and, and how the Lord has kind of brought you both together. And as we start to talk about where the Lord's calling you, I know when, when I think about our early dating relationship, we had a lot of pretty intentional conversations about, you know, where do you feel like God's calling you? And I know you were kind of discerning a call to ministry, which is why you right. moved to Argentina for the Institute. So did you all have those conversations early on? How, how did you kind of discern that, that God was leading you both in the same direction as far as ministry goes? I, by the time that we started connecting, I was already in ministry in Utah and had started and I had committed to three to five years and ended up being 10, but mm. right. I didn't feel like I could, you know, step back from that commitment that I just made uh, because I got a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, um, I felt like it was my, like it was my place to take the step and move to Utah. Mm. Mm. Um, so it was like, Everything in our relationship, it was supernatural, mm. yeah. supernatural and supernatural. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but we didn't, we didn't have to push anything. Mm. I think as maybe because of our background, our Argentine background, mm-hmm. we are pretty straightforward. Yeah. So we had pretty, yep. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've learned that. Yeah. He learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had like, our conversations were like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I do not want. Mm. Um, so, and let's face it, we were in different continents. So right. you better have that, have that, those um, conversations before taking a, such a big step. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, we did talk about it and we never had any, any differences. Mm. Like that was another crazy thing. And I think it was part of the confirmation from God that, everything was really, really nice and really easy at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when God called us to go back to Argentina as missionaries, that right there, that was a little bit of a difference because sure. uh, we were working full-time at JetBlue, an airline. And okay. uh, through that, we were able to travel to Argentina very inexpensively. So um, we went back. It was the first time for since six years before for me and eight years for her. And it was wow. the first time together there, you know, so we got to show each other where we grew up and mm-hmm. introduce each other to our friends and everything. And on that first trip, as soon as we stepped on campus, you know, because my parents are uh, there at the Bible school. And so yeah. when we were there, you know, we, we would go to campus, we chat with students, mate, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. And, oh, and something? yes, um, I always wanted to go to the Bible school. Mm. Like, oh yeah. Since I got saved. Mm. Um, I knew his family because they would go to my church either for events or to translate or whatever. I knew his family. I didn't know him. He was the only one that I didn't know. Okay. Mm. I <laughs> knew about yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I knew everything about the school and I always I always wanted to go there. Yeah. I even prayed, like I got the application and I was laying hands on the application Aww. every single day. Mm. I know and it didn't work out. I just moved. And once I moved um, to Spain, it was like, okay, another chapter. We're not coming back. Mm. So for me, when we went to the Bible school for the first time, it was like, I'm in heaven. Like, yeah. this is my dream. But I knew it was like a different, it, it was like we were there. We were experiencing that. 
but it was not our place. Mm. It's like when you are on vacation, you are sure. visiting and you mm. are enjoying everything, but there's a time that I'm going back home because I'm comfortable at my home. Right. right. Yeah. So stepping on campus from that first moment, you started feeling yeah. just this burden on your heart. Like this is where it fits. This is where God's calling us. Mm. And she was like, okay, God, you're calling us. But if this is really you, you mm. better talk to him. I'm not going to be convincing, manipulating, you sure, know, yeah. Sure. Yeah. you talk to him. And, um, so she didn't mention anything and I didn't hear anything, you know, hard headed over here. <laughs> <laughs> And then six months later, we visited again uh, okay. for my mom's, um, I won't say how many years she was turning, but it was <laughs> a surprise visit of a certain amount of years. That's a round number. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were there on campus, you know, we're sharing in a class, we're speaking in chapel. And then someone that was visiting saw us minister and he sat us down and he said, guys, I know this is a place of God for you. They need you here. You guys need to come and this and that. And and then, you know, the conversation ended. And so I was there with Bailey and I'm like, that wasn't, I don't think that was right, you know? And yeah. I was just making jokes like that. And, and I look over and she's wiping tears from her eyes. I'm like, Aww. okay, what did I miss? It yeah. wasn't that bad of a joke, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And so she said to me, it's a confirmation of what I've been praying for the last six months. And I said, okay, wow. that's news to me. Yeah. It's not on my radar screen. I don't think it's from God, but all I can do is pray. Same words I said before going to Utah. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, there's a there's a pattern here, yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I started praying, again, everything started to fit. And wow. um, God really worked on my heart. And then uh, went back, we went back a third time, uh, sometime later. And then just everything just fell in line mm -hmm. to the point that we were um, there in, in a chapel service, sitting in the front row, and the visiting speaker comes in. And he's speaking and he's in the middle of the second point and just preaching away. We're in the front row. And then he just looks at us and says, Ben and Belu, you will be the parents of the next generation. And then he just keeps on Kept, preaching. And wow. Yeah. It was one of those like twilight, mo twilight zone moments where yeah. we looked around. No one flinched. No one even like, I'm not sure if they didn't hear it. You know, like, right. kinda, you know, like Paul, when he, you know, he, he sees the light, he hears a voice, but no one else, no one else does. I yeah. I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. but um, we were, we were there. We looked at each other and we said, no one knows. Did you tell him? No. Did you tell him? No, wow. like, my parents didn't know. No one knew. So mm. it was to the point that we're like, okay, God, and not only are you confirming, but you have like a loudspeaker into our ear saying sure. this is the place. So yeah, that's incredible. Um, mm. timing, you know, from that point to when we actually went was a longer process, but in that process sure. is when God was really shaping our character and, yeah. and, uh, that, patience um yeah. really helped us become who we are today and better preparation for that next step So I know, um, and we're, we're kind of honing in on this, that, that in this current season of ministry, uh, you're sensing the Lord calling you back to Argentina to work specifically at the school, the, the Bible college there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would love for, for people who don't know anything about Argentina, don't know anything about the sort of the spiritual makeup of the country, the people listening, could you just kind of share what, what's the spiritual climate in Argentina? What are, what are the needs of people 
uh, in that part of the world? The country is predominantly uh, Catholic, Roman Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, Catholics in Argentina, or at least in Latin America, they're a little bit different than what would be, you know, Catholics in the U.S. because of, you know, what's what's called syncretism, where um, the Spanish missionaries in the early, you know, 1500s came in and they were trying to just have large numbers of converts. So what they would say is, oh, this God that you serve, he kind of sounds like this saint so you know what we'll just change the name and say that you're worshiping the saint so mm-hmm. yeah they didn't um teach people the difference between what they were doing and um and what they were uh, preaching so nowadays you have people that you know Belu even went through this where there was no issue with going to mass in the morning and then going to witch doctor to do some kind of you know trabajitos what they call it some yeah. kind of thing Right. To help you out in in uh, either better luck or in your job right. or relationships or or do a little you know tiny little curse against someone that mm-hmm. there's no issue like to us those seem completely opposite mm-hmm. but to them it's just like oh you know well it's part of the same thing yeah yes. and there's there's a saint for everything mm-hmm. yes if here if you need a job you go to one saint if you need uh, prosperity another one if you mm-hmm. need um, I don't know health, and I, it's it's crazy, mm. but but it's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Then you can be driving on you know some highway and look to the side, and there's like little altars to different yep. saints. And uh, for example, there's one of them that you'll drive by, and it's full of bottles of water, and you're like, what? And apparently, this saint died of thirst, so these people mm. are bringing bottles of water to him in hopes that he will in turn help them in whatever they're praying for. Mm. So it's a country that um, they're a little more superstitious than maybe we are here in the U.S. Um, But with that, they're a little more aware of the spiritual realm. Um, You know, they're, I'm not sure if in tune, but you you know, you can, you can share the gospel with them and they, they get it. And they, um, here in the U.S., we are so independent and we value, um, strength of character saying, you know, I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and, you know, I'm I'm, going to make it, I'm going to, you know, whatever it takes, I'm going to get out of this. Whereas, um, that's not one of the core values, at least in Argentina. Um, Mm. you, you figure, you know, you figure it out. You, uh, (laughs) you, you put duct tape on everything, you know, kind of like the expression, you know, you, you figure things out, but, um, they, they don't have that value of, you know, the more independent you are, the better you are as a, as a Mm. person. Right. So there is a definite need and they're open to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, um, so I was born in Argentina and I lived there until I was four years old and then we moved to the U S. Um, but my mom, my dad, my, my entire family was born and raised in Buenos Aires. And my dad would definitely say that that was his experience with Catholicism because he was a Catholic until he was 18. And then he became a Christian at a revival. And then shortly after he started going to IBRP and his mom started going. And so this is like a really, um, it's a long tradition in my family, but in his stories of how he was raised and how they kind of engaged with spirituality, it was very convoluted like that. People would be identifying as Catholic, but then also they would kind of dabble in a little bit of witchcraft too. Mm. And it was very much like self-serve 
you pick. Right. It's like a religious buffet almost. Yeah. So I would definitely say that while I I didn't personally experience that, my dad would say that he did and my grandmother and his whole side of the family uh, definitely experienced that. And so when I went back to Argentina for that semester in 2019, I, uh, I really got the sense that people are very aware of the spiritual realm here. And so, yeah, yeah that, that was definitely my experience well, too. Well, I remember you even sending me a WhatsApp message. Um, but so back to WhatsApp. Yeah. I remember you sending me a message and saying there are witches marching around my school right now. Um, it happened. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I, I know a few people who pra- practice witchcraft. They're not marching around Bible colleges in the States. Um, but, but, but you see that in Latin America. Y- yeah, but the sort of the, the sensitivity to the supernatural kind yeah. of, it seems as though it kind of permeates everything in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, they may call themselves, if you find somebody in the street and you ask them if they believe in God, the majority of them will say yes. The majority of them will call themselves Catholics, Mm -hmm. but they don't have like a lifestyle of a Christian. Right. You know what I mean? So um, the, the lifestyle and the religion doesn't really like, I don't know. They don't go with each other. Mm. Right. And they don't, they they are okay with it. Right. Yeah, there's not an expectation within the Catholic Church that you have to attend, you know, regularly. So many of them will go once, a, you know, once a year. Sure. They'll do, um, you know, they'll ask for certain things and their their payment for God doing those things is like, God, if you do this or whatever, whoever they're praying to, um, I will walk to the cathedral in Luján, which is a yeah. specific place. And so, and some will even do the last portion, go up the steps on their knees, you right. know, and and they say, you know, I, I'm suffering. I'm I'm showing God I'm suffering because He did this for me. You know, and it's mm. a, a very works based. Um, yes, where you, you need to um, earn everything, every favor you get from God, mm. or, pay for your sins. or pay for your sins. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Well, so since you guys have kind of shared with us that your your sense of calling is back to Argentina, um, I, from my understanding, when we looked at your website, you are kind of going back there to serve on the leadership board of IBRP. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. cool. That is awesome. So as a former student there, I can tell you that I, I experienced like tremendous spiritual growth at the Bible college. Um, it was so formative for me and I know it is for so many others. Um, and so, but maybe for our listeners who kind of are, are not aware of the Bible college there and maybe don't have a trip to Argentina planned anytime soon, uh, because of, <laughs> nobody really does, yeah. I guess with COVID. <laughs> can you kind of explain a little bit about what IBRP does and kind of their ministry and how, uh, you see the gospel meeting the needs of Argentina within the school. So it's a, you know, it's a seminary. So it's mm-hmm. where people go. Um, you know, I went to Bible college here in the U S and I had a lot of classmates that, you know, they had undecided majors, you know, their parents sent them, you know, they just, they were just there because it was the next thing to do or because their parents went to that school. Whereas the majority of the students at IBRP have sacrificed so much to be there that they, um, they want to be there. And mm-hmm. so there is a hunger uh, to learn, a hunger of God, a hunger to um, be prepared for God's calling. Um, these students have such potential and they're so eager to step into God's calling. And so the school is, uh, it doesn't only equip 
them and prepare them uh, academically, but it's all encompassing because it's residential or it wasn't until COVID hit mm-hmm. uh, fully residential, but you you're shaped in every area of your life. You know, you're sharing dorm life and you're, yeah. you're sharing, you know, very specific hours and um, chores type of thing, you know, that you have yep. to do that really shape your character, you know, um, I, I did a semester there and, you know, they would send me to clean the, the rotten, you know, portions of the bottom <laughs> of the fridge. That, you know, just, yeah. uh, not rotten food, obviously, but um, you know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. they it really works in your character where you're like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to do this. And by the end you're like, you know, you're, you're a lot more humble in the yeah, process definitely. And, and you don't have people that graduate from there um, feeling like almighty pastors that are not willing to clean a toilet in their church. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and the people, um, you know, there's a, God's presence is so evident there. Mm. Uh, every, every chapel service, every night service, you know, on, on a weekly basis, you, you see kids at the altar seeking God and seeking, um, something new, something fresh from him. And, uh, and so we're so excited to mm. go and be a part of these callings, you know, these, these students that. God's called with a specific purpose. We want to be a part of just having one more fingerprint on their life, yeah. uh, helping shape their identity. Um, this is such a key stage in their preparation because if if they come in wounded, you know, because of a past of difficulties, mm. um, wounded people wound people. Yeah. Whereas uh, people that are healed minister healing. Mm. Uh, we were at. Uh, the last three years we were at the Bible school in the Patagonia Mm -hmm. and a large percentage of the women um, went to counseling times with Belu where they would share that they had been abused in their home. And and this is not, you know, we're not talking about um, non-Christian, you know, these are, these are kids that were raised in Christian homes. Uh, A lot of things happening maybe inside the church uh, Mm -hmm. within the families and, and there's a lot of wounds that people are still hiding. And it's just such a key stage to help bring healing to their lives in those areas and help them believe in themselves. We, you know, we've talked to so many people that have never heard the words, I believe in you, mm. even from their parents, from their pastors, from, from no one. Mm. It's, uh, I'm not sure if it's not very common to say over there, but that's definitely something that we would say to the students is, I believe in you. I believe in what you will become, but not only what you will become, but in who you are today and who God's called you to be today. Mm. And they would break down crying uh, because those words were so heavy in their life and had such significance in their lives. Mm. Um, so how would you describe the school? Did I do a good enough job? <laughs> I just want to go back there. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. I yeah. can't wait to take Travis I'm, one day. Yeah, I'm super excited. I was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was looking at the video on your website, and I was like, "Man, I want to, I want to go so bad." Yeah, that promo video that you have on your website—that mm-hmm. was the year that I was there yeah. because I see the classes and the way that they're set up, and I was like, oh, "I was sitting right there." You and were then always just out of shot. Oh, yeah, I was always out of shot. Yeah. I said, "Those are my classmates." Oh, look, there's Lacey. That's my friend. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that that was really special, and I can't wait to take That's Travis. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I I think is so important. Um, when we talk about God calling us into ministry uh, is that we do take time to prepare for it. Uh, you know, I, I have talked to people before who are like, man, I sense that God's calling me. 
uh, let's forget about all that education and that theology stuff, right? Seminary is cemetery. Like, I, I don't need to worry <laughs> about that. I need to just go straight into it. Uh, but, but I really think theological education is important so that you don't hurt people or or right. teach people things about God that are untrue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but for you all, what would you say to somebody who senses that call of God on their life and isn't sure whether it's important to receive that sort of training? How would you encourage them to, to take that step of preparation? I would even take a step back and clarify God's call on your life is not an angel descending, you know, light from heaven and you mm-hmm. hear a choir mm-hmm. of angels. It's, you know, so many people are just waiting for God to speak clearly to them and say, you know, I have called you and go forth in my name. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's a lot of times it's more of a natural progression where you start feeling a burden in your heart uh, for a specific place, for a, spe- a specific people. And you slowly just walk in the direction. All you can, I mean, God doesn't reveal the end from the beginning, what he does is it's like a lamp where he's just revealing the next step. And as you walk in obedience in that next step, though you don't, you don't know for sure if that's the right step, but, but within what you can perceive and discern, you're saying, I think this is the right next step. And as you take that next step, then God will reveal the next one and the next one. If so many people are so fearful of taking a step because they're like, well, what if it's not the right one? Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to stay in the same spot the rest of your life is that, if that's the case. So God, I think that God would stop you if you took a, a, a misstep sure. um, mm-hmm. with, the right, uh, with the right heart. You know, he, he would help guide you back in, but um, he's looking for people that will walk in obedience. Yeah. Um, now, to your question, once you have given that yes, which is a first step that, that God wants, you know, he, he's not looking for the equipped. He, he equips the called. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And so he, um, he's looking for people that will just say yes. Mm-hmm. And that will take that next step. Now, if you do feel called, uh, seminary, obviously we are going to be very much in favor of IBRP and in, in Argentina, but, um, seminary is such a good place because it not only gives you the theological tools, it really shapes your character and helps you become the person that God's wanting you to be. You know, you might say, well, that's a waste of three years of my life. If I, if I just, I know where I'm going, I'm just going to go there today, Mm. but you're going to save yourself, you know, worlds of hurt and years of your life because you're going to have the tools and your your identity is going to be shaped in a way mm. that you will be so much more effective by investing that time yeah. um, where God can really minister to you at, at the altar, in the chapel service, in, in your bedroom, uh, in your quiet time, your devotional time, in the classroom, right. everywhere. You know, it's just an intensive time where God can shape you completely. Mm. I would also say that, um, or I would suggest to never say never, mm. because um, as soon as I got saved, somehow, again, it wasn't an angel, but somehow I knew I would be in ministry. Mm. Okay, and I remember mm. the one thing that I said to God was, okay, I can be a pastor's wife. I could do worship. I could do um, campaigns, events, anything besides missions. Mm. and we are <laughs> going into our second term yep. and I love what we do yeah. like wow. I, I wouldn't be able to imagine myself doing anything else mm. so just never say never and yeah. as long as you are willing 
God will, will finish the, the process and will guide you through mm. the steps. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And so often I talk to people who are like, I, I want to know what God's will for my life is. And I, and they almost make it sound like God has his will, but he's, he's not letting you see the answers to the test. <laughs> and if you, if you pick the wrong answer, he's going to flunk you on life. And, <laughs> and, and normally I say to them, well, okay, so God's will is that you glorify him. Uh, God's will is that you, you become more like Jesus. Uh, and God's will is that you increasingly turn from sin and turn towards righteousness. So whenever people are taking like a big life decision, I'm like, is it sin? Has God equipped you for it? Uh, have godly people told you that they think that this might be where you need to go? That sounds like a pretty good starting point. You know, like, yeah. like there's some things I can pretty easily rule out as not being God's will. Um, right. But then beyond that, like, I do think that, you know, like you said, Ben, the, the, it's not this angel from heaven saying, go to this college very often. It's God just, just leading you in that next step and that next step. And when he closes the door, you go, okay, well, what's next? One thing that we've learned a lot also is the timing, Mm. you know, Mm. um, like Beto said before, uh, it wasn't the right timing for her to go to the school, uh, when we were 17 and we, uh, we could have met at that point, but it wasn't the right timing. And we both know now that if we had met when we were 17, we wouldn't have liked each other <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because God still had to do a lot in our, in our lives, you know? So, um, there's, there's a, the issue of not only, uh, you know, the direction, but also the timing of it. Mm. Yeah. And so as you are waiting, if you don't know what the next step is mm-hmm. or, or where God's called you or what your life is supposed to be, then take one step at a time. And in that process, mm. if you stay still and eventually when God speaks to you, you'll be miles away from where you have to be. But if you are walking towards where you believe God is leading you, and then when he does eventually, you know, clear the path for you, you are already miles ahead of where you would be. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of timing, I know you guys had mentioned on your newsletter that um, because of COVID, some of your plans had to change, right? Because I believe you guys are supposed to be in Argentina right now, right? In January, but that's gotten pushed back a little bit um, because of COVID. So I wanted to ask you guys, how do you feel like you've seen God work even in this time of, of changed plans? And, and what do you feel like he's teaching you during this time and in this moment? The COVID has made everyone... Uh, change plans, adjust expectations, you know, pivot is a word everyone uses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our plan was to be back now in January. Um, You know, as missionaries, we, we are usually on the field for four years, come back, you know, share our calling and what we've done with, with churches. We visit a lot of, you know, churches, individuals, people that will partner with us so that Mm -hmm. we can go back, have the budget to be able to go back. and, And that would be how we are sustained while we are there. Well, uh, March hit and a lot of our services were canceled. Right. A lot of churches would not book anything because they were not having, you know, services. So, uh, we just had to adjust expectations, focus on other things. You know, I, I started focusing on my master's degree that I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, God really has been teaching us to abide in him, to trust mm-hmm. him. You know, this did not catch him by surprise. Um, so <laughs> a lot of people are like, you know, can't believe COVID has, has affected what we were planning to do for God. Well, this is not a surprise to God, you know, though it's not from God, but it did not surprise him. So what we can do is look at it and pray that God will give us discernment to see it through his eyes and see it as an opportunity, not an obstacle. Mm -hmm. Right now is a key stage where there's so many people that have lost hope that are desperate, that are, 
full of uncertainty. They, their foundation has been shook and um, they don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. They, their finances. Before COVID, we all were self-sufficient. Now, during COVID, we are like, I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. So right. I've lost my my foundation. And so it's a, such a key stage right now to reach out and be that, share that hope mm. with people that need it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so we've been able to have conversations with people um, that maybe we wouldn't have been any other way. And um, we've just had to adjust how the, the method, not, not what we do, but the method of how we do it, you know, and yeah. uh, done several zoom calls and things like that too. Another thing that um, I found myself doing as soon as COVID hit was thinking, so what do I do? What do I have in my hands? What can I do? Because we know that God is always in control and God is always working, but what can I do? And that's when creativity comes. Mm. That's when you start finding things that you thought they were usual, but they could be used to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. Because there's going to be a time that these, hopefully, it'll be over Mm -hmm. and it'll be our time to go out, see the people again, and tell them about what happened through COVID. Yeah, and it could be a, a tool um, to get closer to Jesus. And once we are out there, bring people to Jesus. So um, there's always an I think um, there's always an strategy. Um, I don't know if we saw it, but on our website we posted the the quarantine videos that mm-hmm. we call, and it was videos uh, with our kids and just trying to find fun stuff for them to do within the house, um, but at the same time. We did um, Bible lessons and messages, and we know that Jesus' power is on those videos. So the point is, if people who don't know Jesus see those videos, there's a message through them. Yeah. So there's Jesus knows um, the why, but um, being willing, again, to find the, the strategy and what we can do, um, it's one of the things that helped. Wow, that's so good. So maybe one last thing um, mm-hmm. as we kind of close out. Um, Belu, I think it's so funny that you mentioned when you became a Christian, you kind of told God, I'll be anything but a missionary. And I think a lot of people experience that when they're kind of discerning a call to ministry, um, no matter what it looks like, there's usually a big risk involved, and especially in missions work, right? That means uprooting your entire life and your family. Um, But I think even those of us who are sensing a call to ministry sense that God is taking you somewhere, and and there are usually risks involved with that. And I mean... Belu, you moved to Utah, and then you guys visited the U.S. Um, uh, Argentina and went there for a while, and now you're back in the U.S. But that's a lot of back and forth, and that those are risks being taken for the sake of the kingdom. So I guess what I would would I would want to ask you is for someone who's maybe afraid of that risk, how can you testify to God's faithfulness during that time for you guys as your family? Uh, kind of follows an obedience where the Lord is taking you. So I guess for people who are sensing that call, um, but are afraid of that risk, what would you say to them and how would you testify to God's faithfulness? Um, it's one day at a time, Hmm. one step at a time because of my background, I wasn't raised in a, in a Christian family. So I had no idea what was to be in ministry. 
So in not even Utah, I didn't know anything <laughs> about Mormonism. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I got there and <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to do here? Like, what can I do? And the one thing that I said was, okay, I'm just going to love to people. I'm going to do what I do know what to do. So I thought, I, I, I know I can love on people, so I will do that. Mm. And it was just one step at a time. I will find myself loving on people, uh, knowing what, like doing what I know what to do. And then God will guide every single, every single thing. And again, it's just one step at a time. I think many times we, we tend to make things complicated and make God complicated sometimes. Mm. And it's way more simple than we think. Just do what you know how to do, mm-hmm. and God will give you the the tools and, and the steps. If you are, if you are trying to, to to think of what to do about ministry, what just don't go like don't go to the end of the of the of the race or of the right. road. Just take one step, and if you need to um, start studying the Bible, just start with that, right. and then once. Somebody comes and you don't know what to do. Just start sharing about Jesus, and then that person will give you, uh, will guide you to a different one. I think it's really, it's just one step at a time. That was what worked in my in my life, and it, and being flexible is another thing. Mm, I think yeah. that's something that we all learned through COVID. Yeah. Another thing that I always said that I was not gonna do was homeschool. Here, yes, in homeschool. Yep, (laughs) we have to be flexible. We have to remember that God is in control. Um, God knows everything, and there's a reason for everything. There's a process through everything. So, if we are flexible, our lives are going to be so much easier. Yeah, yeah. And Bilu touched on something that is so key. Um, you can have the best strategy, the best skills, the best calling, speak so eloquently, you know, be a, the best theological teacher or whatever. Um, but if you don't love the people, mm. you're going to fail. Mm. Yeah, It's all about just loving and anyone can do that. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't know anything about Mormonism, but we learned to love Mormons unconditionally. Yeah, um, And that was something that, that really broke through to them because their love is very conditional. You know, they'll love you right. if you convert, but then once you, they know that you're not going to convert, they won't speak to you again. Yeah. Mm. And so we, we showed them that unconditional love and mm. that grace. And, and so many Mormons would come visit our church and they would say, this is like a judgment free zone where I can walk in and not feel like everyone's looking over the shoulder at me because mm. I'm walking in and wherever God, it's called you to go or, or be, or, you know, even if it's you know, not ministry, even if it's just your, you know, whatever, there's no, no higher calling than another one. You know, if your calling in life is to work, be that, that light and that hope where you are working and just love on people unconditionally. Mm. That is the call that God's given everyone, you know, and in the meantime, until you have more clarity, just love on people. Mm. Um, you know, we, we helped plant a church in Chubut in the Patagonia in Argentina um, when we were there the first term. And we helped minister to uh, children in a very 
impoverished area and, you know, we would feed them and a lot of kids came to Christ, but there were some kids that every week would throw rocks on the roof because it was a tin roof. And so it would make so much noise, you know, the kids couldn't hear us and we could easily gone out, scolded them, you know, and and whatever, but we just loved on them. And then eventually they came to Christ and got baptized. And so you just got to love on people Mm. despite their whatever actions they take love them unconditionally and through that love is how you're going to have this biggest impact in this world well we're so grateful for uh your obedience and following the lord's call um back into argentina to to train up the next generation of people to administer the love of god um so thank you so much for your faithfulness and thank you for taking the time to talk with us for this episode Thank you. We look forward to seeing you back in Argentina. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of The Stone Table. If you enjoyed this conversation with our friends, the Grams, as much as we did, do us a favor and rate and subscribe and tell your friends about the show. That helps us to get the word out. Also, we would love to hear from you. So if you've got questions or even topics you'd like for us to cover, you can send us a message at our Instagram at the Stone Table Podcast or an email at the Stone Table at baylife.org. For Baylife Church, I'm Travis, and this is The Stone Table. Thank you.